God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises is a family motto we have repeated often for many years. God has shown up time and time again. In episode two, we talked about how God came through with his promise to provide for us and give us next steps. In today's episode, we're going to go back, way back, to share two different stories. One of those stories started in the beginning and is still playing out today. The other story is one of our own that started about nine years ago. Hey friends, welcome to the Encourage Inspire podcast. My name is Nathan. And I am Nina. In this episode, we will be talking about God as promise keeper. We will answer two important questions. Does God really keep his promises? What are some of the promises that God has given to those who follow him? Be sure to listen to the end of this podcast. We will be sharing about a promise God gave Nathan and I that took years to see come to life. Our passion is building faithful families. Thanks for walking alongside us as we share stories and talk about the lessons we are learning. What is a promise? The word promise can be either a verb or a noun. Merriam-Webster defines promise, the noun, as a declaration that one will do or refrain from doing something specified. Merriam-Webster defines promise, the verb, as to pledge to do, bring about, or provide. Let's make things even easier. Nathan, how would you describe the meaning of the word promise to our kiddos? One definition of the word promise is doing what you say you will do. So if you speak it, then there's action that follows. The Bible is filled with promises, lots and lots of promises. Most people believe there are between 3,000 and 7,000 promises in the Bible. Some people believe that there might be even more than that. In this episode, we're not going to talk about all 7,000 promises in our podcast today, but we are going to highlight some of them. We will list each promise in their scripture reference in our show notes. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, we see the promise of salvation. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There's the promise of the removal of sin from Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In John 14, 16, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. In Matthew 4, 19, there is the promise of purpose and direction. This is what it says. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, there is a promise of rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In James 1, 5, there's the promise of wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. We see the promise of provision for those who seek him in Matthew six thirty three. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There is the promise that no good thing will be withheld in Psalm 84, verse 11. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we have a promise of overcoming temptation. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. 
but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. There's the promise of eternal life in John 3.16 and 1 John 2.25. This is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is from 1 John 2.25. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. In John 14.3, we have the promise of an eternal home. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. There's also the promise of an end to death and sadness in Revelation 12.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Nina, we've read some really great verses about good things that God promises to us. But I think it's really important that we're mindful that there are some promises in Scripture that aren't as enjoyable, that aren't as desirable. At least from my perspective, persecution is one of those things. But if we look at Scripture, we're promised persecution as followers of Jesus. We can see this in 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We can also see this in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the Matthew verses, there are blessings with those promises of persecution. And whatever you're facing, friend, today, if you're facing persecution or a a difficult situation, we do want to remind you as you're seeking God's kingdom, as you're seeking his righteousness, there are blessings that come with that as well. There's another interesting promise that we see in the Bible, and that has to do with discipline. In Hebrews 12, verse 7, it says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? I think that's a really interesting verse because it shows that we have a relationship with God by Him disciplining us as His children. And I thought that that was really intriguing because just as we are parents to our kids, we we expect them to do certain things. And if they don't, there is discipline for it. And that's the way that God treats us. It's in love that He disciplines us. We just read some verses that were very specific promises for God's people, but there's a very special promise that God has declared to many people throughout history. God promised a Redeemer. The Bible uses a different word to describe this commitment. The word is covenant, and a covenant is a relationship between two or more parties. This relationship is bound by oath, and it defines the conditions required to keep the covenant and the consequences if the covenant is not kept by one of the parties involved. Way back in the beginning, God gave dominion over his creation to Adam and Eve, and all they had to do was not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When Adam and Eve did not obey, they had to face the consequences of their actions. They would know sin, and they would know death. But God promised to send a Redeemer. He promised to send one who would crush the head of the enemy. Adam and Eve's descendants continued to sin, so much so that God even regretted that he had made man. So God decided to destroy mankind with a flood. 
But there was one man who found favor in God's sight, and that man's name was Noah. God made a covenant relationship with Noah that he would never flood the entire world again. The Redeemer that God had promised to Adam and Eve would be the answer to the wicked hearts of mankind. And through the years, man's heart continued to turn towards wickedness. God chose to be in covenant relationship with a man named Abraham. God promised Abraham that his offspring would become a great nation. He also promised Abraham would have a new home, a promised land, and that through his descendants all the nations will be blessed. As promised, Abraham's family began to grow. They became so numerous that the Egyptians became fearful. They enslaved Abraham's descendants, now called the Israelites. God chose one man to become a chosen nation. He rescued his people and called them into covenant relationship. God called his people to obey his commands. If they obeyed, they would be blessed. If they disobeyed, they would be cursed. Finally, God's people would enter the promised land. But instead of trusting God as king, God's people asked for an earthly ruler. These kings were called to obey the covenantal laws that God had given, and they were to guide the people to do the same. No one was able to fulfill all of God's laws. Even though the people of God could not obey the laws of God, the Lord was always faithful. God promised King David that he would have a descendant whose throne and kingdom would last for an eternity. Year after year, God's people broke their covenant with God. His people could not fulfill the old covenant that they promised to keep. So God created a new covenant, one that only he could keep. He sent the promised one God spoke about that would crush the head of the serpent. This Redeemer would be a blessing to all nations, just as promised. This Redeemer would be the forever king that was promised to David. This Redeemer, King Jesus, once and for all fixed the problem of sin and death. Nina, we both know that this story is more than a story for us. It is how we know who God is and how we can be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And, and something that stands out to me as, as we read through that thread of stories throughout history is when God gives his promise, he always keeps it. We see that he spoke something to Adam and Eve in the very beginning, and it took thousands of years to come to fruition and, and to be seen. With the promises that he gave his people throughout history, he also had conditions. It was very clear that when they followed his commands and kept his covenant, they would be blessed. And when they did not, they would be cursed. If you have a promise from the Lord, please realize that you might have to wait. And waiting's hard. We've talked about waiting already. And also realize that sometimes those promises come with with conditions that he's asking for us to to hold up on our end. Nina, we had uh, an event in our life that took place and it was a promise that God gave us, and we had to wait longer than we expected. We thought we would see this come to play in our lives in a year or so, and it took, how many years did it take? About four or five more years to see it play out? I think so. And so um, would you mind sharing with our audience just a little bit about that story and, and why it's one of our Ebenezer Stones of why we can trust God and, and why we believe that God always keeps His promises? This is one of my favorite stories to share about what God has done in our life. About nine years ago, during one of my times that I was spending with the Lord, I heard God say that I would have a son. I told you, Nathan, about a week later, I think, and you said you had heard the same thing. We weren't anticipating becoming pregnant again, 
and by this time we had four daughters already. Shortly after that conversation that I had with you, I found out I was pregnant. I was convinced we were having a boy. At the time, we were living overseas, and every appointment that I would go to, they would give me a sonogram. We said that we wanted to find out the gender of the baby, and every time I had a sonogram done, they kept saying we were having a girl. I was like, this cannot be right. They're not seeing things correctly. So I I really thought they were wrong. So when the time actually came for me to deliver baby number five, I pushed out a redheaded girl. (laughs) I was so happy that we had this girl and we named her Nia because her name means purpose. And we knew that God had a definite purpose and plan for her life. The weeks that followed that, though, I did feel a little bit confused about what I had heard God say. And did I actually hear him correctly was a question I had. And I was asking the same question because, like you said, within about a week's time, we had both heard separately from God, you're going to have a son. I was struggling with that too. Did I hear God right? Is something wrong on my end that I'm not receiving the information properly? We were living in a different city when we had Nia. And so when we came back to the city we were living in, a, a really good friend of ours told us, that she thought we would have one more child, and this child would be called Noah. She said, Noah means rest, so you will have six children, and then you will rest from having any more children, just like God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day. The reason why our friend knew that that the son would be called Noah is because Noah had been on the top of our list from the very beginning. We always said, if we have a son, we want to name him Noah. Now, admittedly, at that time, I didn't understand the meaning of the name Noah yet. And so Noah had been there. We'd been waiting for our Noah. Child number one comes, not Noah. Number two, number three, number four, number five. And, you know, this dear friend speaks into our life. And I was taken back a little bit because this feels a little bit prophetic. She's saying that we will have a son. I think our jaws probably dropped. I mean, we were excited, but... I wasn't really sure how to process that in the moment. And honestly, for me, I wasn't sure I wanted to go through one more pregnancy. I already had five, and it was getting harder at that point. But at the same time, I really knew what God had told me. But then, you know, there's these doubts that creep up of, am I hearing, did I hear God correctly? There was quite a bit of time that passed. Nia was about three years old. And we weren't living overseas anymore. For us, our life had actually been kind of turned upside down from not living overseas and coming back to the States. God was writing a different story for us during this chapter of our life. I remember coming home one day and you look at me with one of those, like, we got to talk looks. And we walk back to the bedroom and I shut the door and immediately I, I think you showed me a, a pregnancy test. We've never pushed away the idea that God would provide blessings for us. But in that moment, to be honest, I wasn't sure what I was thinking because I was more overwhelmed about work situations and life situations and that transition from being overseas to back in the States. I was really afraid. But in the weeks and months to come, what was really interesting to me is God was saying, I I keep my promises. I told you you would have a son. 
And that for us, if we could have picked any time in the world, any time in history to have a sixth child, that would not have been the time. But God shows up in his timing, in his ways and goes, I keep my promises. When I tell you something, I follow through. We had a sixth child. We had our Noah. Another interesting thing about that was right before I found out I was pregnant, a couple of weeks before, we had had a conversation about, do we want to expand our family or are we good with where we're at? And, you know, we were also trying to wrestle through this promise that God had put in our life, but we thought, well, maybe this promise is going to be done through adoption or a different way. And so we kind of said, yeah, we're, we're good. And then two weeks later, boom, I find out I'm pregnant. But I agree with you. I also had some of those fears. I didn't feel like it was the right timing in my eyes for us to have another baby. We were going through a lot of hard stuff, but God knew what he was doing because we actually did need Noah in our life at that time for God to show a continual reminder of his promise. And that he he was gonna walk he was gonna be faithful. He's he was gonna walk us through this hard time that we were facing, but also with the blessing of having our son. And I liked what you said. Uh, Noah became the reminder, and we started repeating the family motto that we've developed. God always keeps his promises. We started repeating that often around the time Noah was born. We would say God always keeps his promises because we know that. He'd showed up in our life time and time again and had proven himself to be faithful time and time again. And that's something that's really important for me is I want want our kids to know that God will always keep his promises to them as well. And so what we do in our family is we repeat the important things over and over and over. And another thing that comes to mind is we repeat the gospel over and over and over because we want that foundation to be in their life. And when they hear the story way back with Adam and Eve that God promised a Redeemer, we want our kids to believe that that Redeemer has come and that He will change their life if they accept Him as Lord and Savior. Yeah, definitely. That's a huge passion of ours for them and for other people in our life. Friends, as we wrap up this episode, there's a couple of things that that really come to mind for me is in God's word, there are thousands and thousands of promises that he has declared to you as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a believer in the one true God. So when you face a situation that's challenging, when you face a circumstance that you don't know how to handle, something Nina and I both want to encourage you to do is run to scripture, find his promises, and hold on to those promises. Now we know that scripture is written for all believers applicable for all people, any place, any time in history. But I also believe out of experience and and hearing stories from other friends and family that at times God shows up and delivers a very specific promise to you, to your marriage, to your family. And so never give up on those promises. Nina and I had to wait about five years to see the promise of a son And that reminds me of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah had to wait a lot longer than five years. (laughs) But hold on to God's promises, his written word, how he speaks to you. And don't let go of those promises. Hold on to them and believe them. We truly believe that God always keeps his promises. Yes, he does. Hey, friends, as we wrap up today, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening and joining in um, on our conversation again today. 
We hope that this becomes an encouragement for you, for your marriage, for your family. Do you have any words to to end, Nina? I just like our motto that God always keeps his promises. He is faithful. He's faithful with us to the end. He's with us to the end, no matter how long we have to wait for a promise to come. And another great promise is that he's coming back to to take us home. So keep running to scripture and find those promises and cling to them. We'll talk to you next time.